0: Listen up, fanboys. It's the Fanboy Planet Podcast. And here's your host, Mr. Wednesday Night, Derek McCaw.
1: That's Mr. Wednesday (laughs) Night. That that,
2: that may be one of the uh, best uh, best names you've ever had for me. I thank you. It's certainly one you could repeat. It was better than Mr. Hump Day. (laughs) (laughs) I missed my Hump Day. All right, so. Uh this is Derek McCaw, editor in chief of fanboyplanet.com, here for the Fanboy Planet podcast on Wednesday, March 26th, 2008. We took a week off, but we're glad to be back. With me of course. I think it's cuz we were all drunk and hung over from St. Patty's Day, right? No. Uh, no, that really oh, wasn't it, yeah, but, I didn't but, drink but okay, okay, but uh maybe. Right. Anyway, of course that that was of course my announcer, Lon lovable Lopez. How is everybody today? You're a
0: great audience. Thank it's, you. It's too bad we don't have it's a really, lot of audience.
1: He's two L's, just like Lana Lang, Lois know, Lane. Lex, Lex Luthor. Luthor. Yeah. Mm. LL Cool J. Is he a Superman date or villain? I'm going with villain. Okay.
0: <laughs> and to my left. Sort of like the prankster. To my left is the illustrious
1: Rick Brett Snyder. about as far left as you can go. Really? Yeah.
2: No, thanks for bringing those little politics in. That's yeah. good to know. That's good to know.
1: No, he's just really on the other side of the table. Yeah. Oh, okay.
2: To well, my far If I went any further
1: left, I'd be on the wall. Yeah. Sure. That's
2: all he Whatever, meant. Whatever, Superman villain. <laughs> <laughs> the jankster. There we go. So, uh, we got some things to talk about, of course, tonight. We've got some comics news. Uh, talk about Secret Invasion. Uh, talking about Virgin Comics. And we do mean the publisher. Uh, Catastrophic Comics. And again, we do mean. The publisher. Your publisher. My publisher. That's a paid announcement. Full disclosure. Full disclosure. Thank you. We got movies, uh, some that uh, make Lawn upset, some that do not. We got TV shows, some that make Lawn upset, some that do not. But first of all, what time is it, Lawn? ding, 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 ding. Mail
1: time. I'm just so impressed. <laughs> I know. That was, wow. It gets better every time. Okay,
2: well, here we go. After, a la- I believe it was the last episode that we posted uh, that was called This is for You, Stephanie. Yes. Uh, so, Stephanie uh, wrote me a letter, but actually it's for Lon. This is for you, Lon. Play the
0: soft music right now.
1: Are there illustrations? That's there are. Saying. There are. That's why you
2: it's a visual I had to save for this. Oh, Oh, Lon. You amuse me so much. Mm. Thanks for all those shout-outs on the previous podcast, even though they left me feeling slightly confused and awkward. Mission you're, accomplished. You're really good at making people feel that way. Keep it up. I don't know what's going on half the time, but I still find you hilarious. For some reason, I think that you would make an adorable plushie. That's a really random thing to say, I know, but I absolutely believe that a lawn plushie would be so awesome. A talking lawn plushie would be especially cool, because then it would make weird yet endearing comments every so often. I bet the other podcasters would love it. Ha ha. Anyway, I couldn't make an actual lawn plushie, so I settled for an alternative. I had to watch one of your more on Life videos in order to get the face right. <laughs> Hope you like it. Here is an artist rendering... Of the new wow. more life lawn
1: plushie. That's awesome. <laughs> That's uh, it's a bunch of concentric circles. I think, like, totally I buy that.
2: This would be easy to market to uh, I think to manufacture and market, don't you think?' It's, oh, it's, I think it'd be easy to manufacture. Okay, fair enough, Rick. What's funny is is that's not the first time I've been called a plushie.
1: So, yeah, uh, yeah it's good. Yeah. I'm just really reassured that she doesn't understand half of what he's saying, <laughs> <I> know. <laughs> I'm so Get happy. in line, Stephanie. <laughs> <Get> in line. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> anyway, so fantastic. It means but, you know, we can keep the clean advisory on the
2: podcast. <laughs> yes,
0: but you good. know, in all seriousness though, how cool is that for somebody to who yeah. to actually listen to our podcast? Take the time to write us a letter and do some stuff
1: and draw some. Illustrate.
0: Good job! Thank you for our number one fan, Stephanie Rodriguez. Stephanie Rodriguez,
2: indeed. Yes, give it up because you know we haven't heard from anybody else this week. Uh,
0: but that's all right. Although yeah, actually, Rob uh, Cordway, you're slipping, buddy. You're actually, slipping. I did
2: hear from Doc. Uh, he would like to come down and be a guest, and Great. Uh, so we'll just. But uh, just no, so Mikey Wager. The... No, no, but, Mikey, we miss you. But we'll, you know, uh, but Doc brings up an idea that uh, I. have talking to a couple of people, local pseudo-celebs maybe to come by and, and guest in. Hey, it's, we have a free mic tonight. We do. You know but, what I'm saying? So if anybody walks in tonight. But unfortunately, uh, Chris Garcia, I believe, is still in England.
0: Yes, that old bloke is in London. Uh, and Taiwan. Michael
1: Goodson's still on rehab.
0: Yes. Okay. They Absolutely. tried to make him go, but he, well, he said, said no, no, no. no, no. <laughs> uh yeah. Too
2: I, soon? Okay. No, no, no. No, it's, uh, no, it's I, right I, on time. It's right <laughs> on time. He totally deserves that. Uh, so let's uh, get going then. For uh, This was one, of course, the section for uh, Michael Goodson's favorite person, Drew Preston, to tune out for a moment while we start talking about comics. Uh, I wanted to bring up tonight's Secret Invasion Mainly because it's amazing what you pick up if you subscribe to celebrities' blogs on on MySpace. Uh, I've been a subscriber to Patton Oswalt's blog because, well, he's funny. Sure. And and he's clearly a fanboy, so occasionally there's a really good comic-related joke that I wouldn't have thought otherwise. But to my annoyance, in the past two weeks, Patton Oswalt has been bragging in blog after blog that Brian Michael Bendis has uh,
1: let him read the first six issues. We should explain that Brian Michael Bendis is a well-respected writer of comic books. I
2: kind of assume. I know I shouldn't. I'm sorry. Brian Michael Bendis... Who maybe listens to this um, is the writer of Secret Invasion and the writer of many things, Ultimate Spider-Man, as is mentioned. Uh, yeah, I think we know him. Yeah, and well, apparently
1: has been plotting Secret Invasion, invasion for a years. long time.
2: Yes, and uh, so uh, man Patton Oswalt has just been j- just drooling over this thing, and here was a series that I was like, eh, and now Patton's been like really pushed. But here's what before really, you before you into to the okay. Patton
0: thing, I have a quick side question. You just said he's been apparently plotting this for years. Yes. Wasn't there a storyline in, like, the Ultimates about a scroll invasion, secret invasion? Yes. Well, there was, Well, um, that was
2: actually the first storyline of, story of the Ultimates. Was.
0: So how can this be, like, in a brand-new, original, cool idea when Marvel just pretty much put this out, like, a couple years ago?
2: But, and see, what you don't understand was in the Ultimate Universe— They called him, like, the Chikari you know, or something. No, in the Ultimate Universe, it was really only one book— and they didn't make nearly as much money as they could have if they'd made it a uh, so company-wide crossover. So they had a good yeah. idea that See, somebody... See, I don't are, think uh, you understand, Lon, how this it all now. works. I get now it now. I get it now.
1: In other words, score.
0: Score. Yeah. But actually, I've or got... Or screw creativity and originality. No, I don't think so. It's just, it's just, make it's money. Like, this,
2: is the, this is the Marvel way of kind of doing a retcon without doing a retcon if that makes sense, to explain that... Uh, like I, I, I picked up that in the latest issue of Ms. Marvel, they're accusing Ms. Marvel of being a Skrull because while she was off on an island sorting out, like, fighting the brood and stuff, and no one knew where she was, the Skrulls took that opportunity to apparently have a Carol Danvers, a Ms. Marvel walking around on the helicarrier. So it's not so much that they're replacing right. as they've impersonated... They're messing with us. They're messing, and, and so... One thing is for a writer like Bendis, who loves Frank Miller, and Miller has been pretty vocal in the past year in particular, suddenly about grumbling a lot about that Electra came back from the dead. And then, of course, we know the first scroll exposed was Electra. Well, if you say that the Electra that came back from the dead in the first place was always the scroll, well, then Frank yeah. Miller's happy. You know, if that makes sense, that it sort of like says there was a. Yeah, the- but Electra's. Come back from that like four or five times. Right, but the first time she died, it was expected for several years, and Jim Shooter had made the promise, Electra would stay dead unless, unless Frank Miller revived her himself. And so, you know, it, it, that promise was kept as long as Jim Shooter was there, and I think through one other editor-in-chief, who knows, you know, I think I was editor-in-chief for a while. It's that random. And, uh, you know, then... Joe Cassada it's not even Joe Cassada, but part of Marvel Knights, I think the initiative brought brought her back and it became more popular again. And Brian Michael Bendis actually one of his first books for Marvel was writing Electra. Kind you kind of forget what, that. You know what's really
1: brilliant about this whole secret invasion campaign that they're just, just starting to spin up? Every Marvel book, or at least most of them, have a center spread this this month or last mm-hmm. month that is the the Electra Scroll. Corpse there at the top, being mm-hmm. being looked at by Reed Richards, and I guess it's, maybe it's Hank Pym. And, yeah, it's Hank Pym and Tony Stark. And, Tony and because Stark. I can
2: tell you, it's not just every centerfold; it is now this week's Entertainment Weekly. That spread is
1: part of the ten pages, the first ten but pages. If, but as you're reading the book, you, you're flipping the pages, and you turn to this, and in, and it's paced and as if it's you've now shifted to another storyline in that same book. The first time I ran through read through it. I must. I think I was reading an Avengers book, and I didn't think twice that this was just happening as part of the storyline. It's just a lot more seamless than those uh, Jeep ads
2: that, or the, the, the those SUVs. Yeah. Stay off drugs ads. Anyways, I cut you off. You let's finish your thought about Patton Oswalt. In- uh no, he's just been he's just been raving about it and saying this is going to totally blow our minds this summer. And, and now it's in uh, EW. And EW. And now the first ten pages are in Entertainment Weekly with an interview with Brian Michael Bendis. And you know, I mean, we're past the point of saying, "Hey guys, we're mainstream," because I think. I mean, we have you know, comic book fandom has been not necessarily the people who are comic book readers, but you know, fandom uh, awareness, uh, awareness,
1: character awareness.
2: As this very odd thing that I've been noting, you know, that that Spider-Man club shirt I have, you know, how I cannot, li- I literally cannot wear that anywhere without someone. Feeling compelled to go Spider Man, <laughs> but if you wear like a Nike shirt, nobody goes Nike. You know, But <laughs> depends on what part of town you're in.
0: Yeah, especially like people learning English, they they do. They that. go Nike,
1: Nike, they can and read. they light their torches and yeah. they
2: come after me. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, so I think the character awareness and that feeling that everybody still feels like nobody knows these guys, but we do. You know, and it's yeah. like but notice that everybody knows now. Anyway, but so it's in Entertainment Weekly, which is a Time Warner publication who owns DC. I don't see... But then there's a difference between Secret Invasion and Final Crisis. I think that you could pick up Secret Invasion and get a really good story and not have to know a lot of Marvel continuity, except to know that the superheroes weren't trusting each other anyway, which I'm sure is
1: going to be handled. You went ahead and read those 10 pages. I did read those 10 pages. And so that's based on your reading of those 10 pages. That's what I
2: believe is they set up Tony Stark really quickly. Um, Oh, that's cool. And if you've read you know, been reading all along. It's like it's really that Tony Stark thing that I've enjoyed Bendis doing with Stark is he's the only guy who really to me treats Stark as that alcoholic personality, that absolute conviction that he's right at all against all odds – uh, you know, at, at all costs, and that that's not always a good thing. So that's the only Tony, the writer of Tony Stark, that I've actually really enjoyed. Well, except now that director of of Shield series, did I did warm up to it? Yeah. Uh, that's the Knopf brothers, I think. Um, so he's got that. He's got Henry Pym that that spread there with Reed Richards, and and their, that absolute panic that they've not they're not able to detect, detect them. Right. They don't know who it is, and Tony Stark saying, basically, one of you could be a scroll right now, and I have no way of knowing. So kind of like Battlestar Galactica, where the Cylons look like them? Yeah. Yeah. And then... Original. Mm. I like it. Yeah. No, well, I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> what about the silence looking like? Damn, isn't that from V? I mean, for that matter. Um, I guess. You know. But, I, you know what? The funny thing is, as much as uh,
0: much smack I'm going to talk about this, I'm actually excited about Secret Invasion. I haven't really read a lot of the Marvel books since Civil War because I just had such a bad taste in my mouth. And uh, I'm actually, you know, thinking that this could be exciting and fun and hopefully maybe steer back the Marvel universe to where it should be. And. Make them you know, what, what fun I'd, comics again. What I'd
2: like to believe, at, though I, I'm I'm not sure that's going to bear fruit, is that I could just truly read Secret Invasion and not read the, all the books connected to Do we to know it.
0: how many issues it's going to be or how many they're planning? I think it's, I think it's eight. So it's going to be but their I'm, summer I'm not event. positive. It's
2: going to be their big summer event. It comes out next week, the first issue. Um, but I already know there's going to be like a Secret Invasion front line, front line spin-off book like there's been it's for good. all Frontline the other things. Front line has always been a good book actually it has been you know and that's kind of it's kind of kind of interesting I I just uh, you know, I was reading uh, damage control mm-hmm. which was a comedic another surprisingly good fair fair book yeah and yet I'm kind of kind of bothered by it spinning out of World War Hulk all the tragedy yeah. of World War Hulk and then they're so funny how oh, we have to clean up the city now <laughs> yeah. um, but wait you know what but it wasn't bad because the original damage control was a funny series too yeah but didn't they never really tied
0: this loose end up too didn't in one of the Civil War books, they had made a point to say that one of the executives on damage control was actually, like, creating or, like, profiting from the bad events or something like that or had had his hand in the the events of Civil War, like the explosion with the kids and stuff or something like that. Oh,
2: well, because that was Tony Stark. There was suspicion that Tony Stark was... Uh, well, there was that, the too. and Which is they revealed in Damage Control that um, the charter, the original investors were Tony Stark and Wilson Fisk. Mm. And Tony Stark sold his shares in damage control because...
0: No, but I thought in the Wolverine book there was a storyline. There might have been. And granted, this is all continuity that nobody cares about anymore and it's all going to be retconned closer later. closer so.
2: reading of Wolverine than I've done. I can't yeah, keep track. Okay. Sorry to bring that up. Which is another thing that my I'm sure that somewhere along the line the scrolls are impersonating Wolverine since Bendis has been consistently harping on that joke about Wolverine seems never to sleep and he seems to be on three teams at once. Uh, you know, so it, it, it's a way out of that one. Uh, so, I mean, it looks kind of kind of interesting, and I recommend if people can catch it online this this interview or pick up, I guess, this week's Entertainment Weekly and and read the interview with with Bendis, in which he also talks about he's writing a pilot for HBO. I didn't get a chance really? to read through, but that's one of the little little uh, preview powers? things. Come, uh I don't know. Oh, okay. Wouldn't that be nice? I uh, you know
1: one of the best recurring things in Entertainment Weekly, and I make up this out later. But um, Stephen King writes the last page in yes. a lot of the issues, and really a good read. Every I think time. every third issue, the King is... of Pop.
0: Yeah, it's yeah. like once every
2: four. I think. Or yeah. is it the Pop of King? King of Pop. No. No, the Pop of Pop King. King. The Pop of King. I, I know. I, I well, because I think Stephen King is just well, he's a great writer. He's yeah. a great commentator. That's a, that's what's so interesting about him. But what's going to be? About his I hear
0: he's a, a scroll. <laughs>
2: It does explain a lot. Yeah. It actually does.
0: How does he write so many books so fast? You know what I mean? I don't.
2: I, I, kind of weird, isn't it? I don't know. That is. Oh my gosh. It does explain a lot about the uh, Dark Tower series. Yeah. Which is Crisis on Infinite Kings. But uh, mm, nice. Yeah, it is. Uh, so we got a. Uh, because, you know, there's this struggling actor in Hollywood. Let me talk about him. You know, to cross over to comics, comics and movies a little bit. A struggling actor who really just has not hit it big with a franchise yet. Is he Australian? Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about. It's hard think, to break you know, into the business. It's really hard when you're Aussie. Uh, this little guy. I mean, I don't know if you've seen him. I know he was in Oklahoma. He was but in a stage dance? revival of of Oklahoma. Hugh Jackman. Uh, you know, we just He definitely is in need of a franchise. Hugh Jackman signed on with Virgin Comics. It was announced this week, and with uh, in conjunction with the writer Mark Guggenheim, he's done some interesting stuff. I think I love his museum. Yeah. Why did I know that was going to be the thing out of your mouth? Uh, Just go with it, baby. Yeah. Just go with it. They, they are, well, Hugh Jackman is creating, quote unquote, uh, a series called Nowhere Man, which of course... Oh, that Fox uh, TV show? Oh, sh- and that was uh, WB or UPN. I think it was UPN. Uh, Man. I it was Fox. Huh? Yeah. Somebody write in. I think it was Fox. Somebody write in. No,
0: no honestly, when I first read that post, I was all, wasn't this a show already, yeah. Nowhere Man? Well, you know what
2: I, th- I always think? Wasn't this a... Beatles song, so Hugh Jackman's gonna gonna play that little um, fuzzy blue thing that goes around going hey, uh, in Yellow Submarine. Uh, that's how good he is. A meanie? He, no, no, moonies? no. There's uh, there's another guy in there, yeah. a good guy that teams up with him. They sing Nowhere Man too. Mm. Um, so anyway, uh, it's part of Virgin's push. Now wait, now I read the, the part
0: of the post. I didn't read the whole thing, which you probably have all the info on, but. It basically, it's another one of those virgin products projects where they attach a celebrity, but then have like other comic creators write and draw it. So it's right. like, yeah. what, what are we dealing with here? Right,
1: what's, and what's he's got to collaborate with Jenna Jameson, too. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, right, well, Jenna Jameson uh, collaborated with Christina Z on uh, Shadowhunter. I did finally read the first issue. Did you? either of you guys get through it? Uh, Scam, I, I could not get through no, it. No, it was whole. I couldn't, like, like, emphasis on the horror. Like, the (laughs)
0: art, you mean the horror? Uh, Yes, I'm sorry. So the, um. Just a speech impediment. I thought the artwork wasn't bad. No, but. But, you need words to help you turn the page, you know what I mean? It was incomprehensible. It's one of those,
2: what is it about, I guess, dark fantasy, where people think that if you are just vague and you sound, like, uh, portentous enough. That takes the place of actual plotting or sense.
1: Because it's worked for Lady Death for years.
2: And, Maybe the emo kids will and, pick it and up. Witchblade? Like, wow, I mean, my theory so is. Witchblade's got a little bit more to it. But. Christina Z was famous for having written a, a long run on Witchblade, oh, and that's why they chose her for this. And what I felt was this was sort of like, boy, this is mining all the same territory that I understood Witchblade to have. Now, to be fair, I really haven't read that much of it. It just never, you know, particularly appealed to me. But um, not even the series. So the TV series. So I, I, I don't it was, know. It was bloody and gory, but for like no reason.
0: It you just didn't really understand. It, just it made like, no sense. Well, there so, was
1: a lot of history. I mean, if you got into the series, you, there no, was, no, we're talking about Shadowhunter. Oh, pardon yeah, me. yeah. Sorry, I'll stop trying to defend the wrong. <laughs>
2: yeah, hey, hey, if you like Witchblade, look, clearly proofs in the pudding. That thing's been very successful. Yeah, and and there may be more to it. I've just not. And it's no offense to, to Silvestri, to the people at Top Cow. That particular dark supernatural line just never really caught my attention. Right. So,
0: well, I think it goes back to what we've always said with the indie comics: is like you got to have a good story to get people to come back and read these books, and it's like. You know, you gotta have a page turner. You know what I mean? Right. And You're so, competing with Marvel and DC. Right. And, and, then, you know, and so we've like, had all
2: these things for Virgin. So I maybe we'll see with with Hugh Jackman. We've also had uh, Nicholas and Nicholas Cage and his son <coughs> Weston with their Voodoo Child, which I wasn't. Did it, that have a second episode? issue? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's that's had several. How many? I don't know. It's been did, at least Did they five give us a, a plot okay. summary of
0: Nowhere Man or? I
2: didn't see one yet, but it may be too and soon. Is
0: it going to be like all the car- like Hugh
2: Jackman is going to star in this comic? I don't know. I mean, because it's clear to me like it's not clear in Voodoo. I think in Voodoo Child, legitimately Nicolas Cage's heart was in the right place. It was like he just wanted to be involved in the comic book. Uh-huh. And I and he's going to or he had, his production company bought the rights to The Sadhu, which is uh, another book that uh, that Virgin uh, had put out and um, so you know, the
1: cage isn't a known collector of comics so
2: you know it really was just he wanted to create a, a property he not necessarily son. not necessarily a property to uh, yeah kal uh it, not necessarily a property for him to star in um, whereas Ed Burns won yeah. Doc Walloper I could see him playing that guy mm-hmm. the, the, the Doc Walloper if he's not too old and that wasn't horrible you know, it wasn't bad. Okay, what, but one that you and I really liked... Wait, wait before we go to that, okay. two things
0: I want to talk about before that. Uh, the other news from Virgin. Let's make this a Virgin segment. So, the the other news that <laughs> was late. big that we missed last week for not being here was that another Virgin comic that I got a chance to preview was the Stranded. Did you get a, Did you get a copy of that?
2: I have a copy. Um, no Definitely. offense to the Stranded. I was. It was late at night. I opened it and I fell asleep on the first page. It's not, not, not the stranded's fault. I was just tired. You know, it was a bad time. and well, I, didn't I get read back it, to it. Okay. and
0: uh, confused, not really feeling it.
2: Um, and, that, and that's part of like Virgin has already divided itself. How long has Virgin been a- around? Two like years? Three years, two years, maybe uh, longer than that. Uh, no, no, it's just two Comic Cons ago that we that uh, Goodson and I sat in with Deepak Chopra and Grant Morrison, okay, so and too. that was the launch of Virgin. So, um... did you, Deepak do a series of comics prior to that? No, Deepak did not. Uh, although his first with Joshua M. Dysart's coming out, Buddha number one coming soon. All right. Well, and let me just finish but, real fast. The yeah, the but, the, but the Stranded is part of their sci-fi. I, it, well, it just got picked up. It but was, a, it, but on the cover, it also it's part of. Oh right, right, right. It was in,
0: jun- in conjunction with. So the, not
2: really a surprise that the Sci-Fi right. Network would actually pick this up. But, but anyway, they, yes. but
0: but Virgin has succeeded. And this is the point I wanted to make. Basically, Virgin succeeded in getting one of their books optioned or create or licensed to create a, a, a TV show or another form of media for their one of their properties. And the the one comment I wanted to make about Virgin Comics is, we can sit there and talk about their books and you know how we don't like or dislike or whatever, but don't you think it's? I mean, in a weird way, should we not be impressed with what they have? attempted and accomplished in a couple short years and to at least bring that that power and that PR to well, at least bring like I don't know
2: maybe I don't know if it's excitement back to comics yes, or indie comics yes but. and no because I don't think I mean I do think they do some really solid stuff I look at that and I feel a little sad for Virgin hmm. for their well one like oh gee they're backed by a billionaire mm mm-hmm. um, which didn't help cross gen, but okay. Uh, they're you know they're backed by a billionaire who has a lot of contacts, contacts, not, and context, I'm sure. Uh, but so from right there, when you say and and Gautam Chopra is you know the son of Deepak Chopra, so there's there's already this you know kind no, of they, so they've got in, a little in there. A little royal. What blood I in feel whatever, but. bad for that company is that I think the books they do the best on are things like yeah. Devi and the Sadhu. And uh, there, uh, the Ramayan Reloaded. Um, you know, the, the, the original intent of the company was to bring the mythology or a viewpoint of the Asian subcontinent that we don't. Uh, we have a lot of, I mean, obviously in the United States, a lot of right. of people from India and Pakistan and and who have grown up. Yeah, but up with as these a company, they have to evolve. And I mean, right? Well, in in, in, in a year and a half, almost two years, they had those things still exist, but the successes they've had, and I think that speaks to our culture, their successes that they've had have been those things where they pandered to us instead of what their original intent was. Or, but also, too, they've pandered to the Hollywood crowd by bringing... Everybody's pandering to the Hollywood crowd. Well, sure,
0: but what I'm saying, though, is I think, like I said, I'm not really impressed with their books, but I'm impressed with their effort in trying to at least... Push the genres still. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's in the market where we're at right now. And I do want to say, just, yeah, and, and it's just I don't know. I don't know if we. That's that's my question. I pose these guys like,
2: should we not be? I'm impressed kind by of Virgin impressed by because Virgin because they didn't go belly up in two no, years. They've kind know? of over. Well, again, they're backed by a billionaire, but they they've sort of I feel overstretched themselves. It's hard to keep track of everything they've got. But like, I'm still enjoying Dan Dare. I know you didn't like it as much, but I liked the revival of Dandera. I was kind of like, oh, that's, you know, it's, it's growing it's, on me slowly. It's, it, it's, well, and they've got the backing to stay alive long enough for maybe everybody to, to have it grow on. I really thought that their initial offering, this is really Devi, an Indian superhero, that was cool, the sadhu. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it's, you know, that what? And you're saying they weren't
1: successful with those?
2: Well, they've had to relaunch them a couple of times. They're like on V3, version 3 of them now. Um, They just kind of disappeared. They just weren't selling
1: particularly well. I've never picked one up, but it seems to me when you're going to compete with Marvel and DC, you differentiate yourself in some really recognizable way. And
2: that was their initial way, was of being very, you know, very um, Indian, I guess, for lack of a, a more politically correct or accurate Phrase. I mean, because it's the it's the stories of India, the myths, that of Hinduism, is politically correct. That is back term, in unless it, you're talking about American. Snakes. See, it's 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 so hard. Uh, so I mean, and, and and those are good books. Snake late, Snake Woman, a really good horror book uh, about a, gr- a girl in America discovering that she was like this, you know, this Hindu. And let's not uh, forget though, too, that, that yes, we've got all the big names and the billionaire
0: backing it and on mm-hmm. the celebrities, but let's not forget the indie artists and writers or you know, or some established indie writers who are the backbone of these stories and, and comics. Well, well and let's
2: turn to the one you really like okay. because I really liked it too. It's uh, a pseudo-celebrity, a pseudo Jonathan Mostow, who is a writer-director. He did uh, U-571 with uh, probably one of the few. Um, Wasn't that with Bon Jovi? Bon Jovi and yeah. one of the few, to me, one of the few watchable, I believe, Matthew McConaughey films. That actually puts the it's the exception that proves the rule. To I hate Matthew McConaughey because I did like you five seven one, and he directed Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. Didn't didn't mind it, but it wasn't a bad film. He, I thought he did it really well with that material. He created this book called the Metas, Megas, Megas, the Megas. Right. I'm sorry, not the Metas. I'm thinking DC, mm-hmm. the Megas, and I think, did they even write down. Yeah, I did write the Megas. Okay, mm-hmm. so. Um, Which did you get a chance to read this? Okay, I'll have to pass that over to you because it was actually a really interesting read. I could see this. I was surprised. I could see this. I liked him for a couple of reasons. One, he took a writer, he he tapped a friend who was not really a big comics writer to adapt it. And then he took a storyboard artist that he liked that had never drawn comics before. And I wish I could remember the names because these guys really deserve credit. The storyboard artist does. Bang up job with this book. It's like Did you get a. It uh, felt like a real like. Oh, we just discovered somebody that I'm gonna like. Right, he's solid. It's like 60s. Did you, know, you get a Howard Chicken feel from him? Yeah, I got a, and a Howard little Jake Howard Chicken feel. A little 60s adventure strip. You know, just like, like comic strip kind of thing. Uh, Dan Barry or uh, or uh, even I'd say on the, the shelves show right now. Uh, it might be. i might go I wanted to go check. Um, but I will it over. It was just. It was an interesting idea, I could see it very easily adapting to a to a film, film. or a television series. I think more likely because I think audiences are more forgiving on television for convoluted backstory. And the idea, really? yeah, I think so. The idea is that uh, the gov- that the United States government, is a monarchy and always has been, and that the megas are sort of like th- this. Oh, this is s- sounding familiar. Separate. Um they've always been like this family that was very scientifically advanced and part of the Renaissance and really pushed things hounded. so instead of coming set of Puritans U- coming uniforms to America
1: involved or something for them. well they've become
2: yeah. very royalistic yeah. very militaristic and um, well, I have seen this. and they've had like four hundred years of inbreeding so they all have so if you're part of the royal family, there's white hair they're almost almost albino yeah and so I mean it's it's an interesting. Trope on the as he said it's a good story, but don't we kind of feel that way anyway? Like there's like there really is sort of this sense of a monarchy. I I just missed the whole conversation, but
0: and it's grounded with a solid crime story. Did you get to that yet? No, I hadn't. I was about to get there, and so it's based on. Awesome. I come back and I have the the right moment, perfect timing.
2: So basically, a murder happens, uh, a scandal involving one of the royal family, and we are following a a normal uh, detective who is part of an organization whose job it is to prove that justice serves the entire society not so just so he's the
1: focus of the story yes which is but, so but, it's kind of like the, so it's told from the guy the
2: point of the what's guy what's
1: the TV show that has um, um, Donald Sutherland on it now the, uh, oh,
2: dirty, filthy money! Yeah. Is that yeah. right? Is yeah. that right? The right name? yeah. Which well, the
1: focus in there is the lawyer who runs. Mm-hmm. And so the this guy, this guys.
2: guy's got to prove he's stuck between uh, two worlds. Where basically everybody, put, uh, everybody put in the in everybody box. in the police, believe on the police force believes that of course, his job as the special investigator for the government is to cover up anything involving the royal family. But stop right there! Look what you've just
0: talked about. You know what I mean? Like so many story layers. That are in this, yeah. No, that make it interesting.
2: I loved that book. I'm just saying, yeah. And it's it's like
0: if we can get more of that from Virgin to at least, you know what I mean? Like you need
2: good stories,
1: and this one, I have to back you up on this. The art, the art style is incredibly. Yeah, Rick is just
2: looking through this right now. It's
1: incredibly shaken-esque, especially the panel breakdowns with like inset panels and the way he's Mm -hmm. doing this. But also, I this guy's. Influenced by Howard, he's he's influenced by Howard, but
2: it I, I it wasn't like distracting. It's not derivative. It's um, not derivative. It's not it's not like a Chaikin studio thing. I mean, and Chakin was originally going from you know John Severn and a lot of guys from the '40s and '50s that have kind of gotten left behind. Yeah. So I mean, this is a guy who looked around and really, if you're gonna look, if you're gonna steal a layout concept, oh yeah, you know, Chakin is underrated. Mm-hmm. And, and is not given, whether you like his art or not, what that guy did to break uh, break new ground in
1: storytelling for comics. Speaking of which, American Flag Collected. Coming back this and summer, right? Did you read the story behind that, that the original art is all gone? That it was just there, none of it existed. So they had to go back to print comics, scan those in, and redo all the color of oh line
2: goodness. art. Oh, wow. So what for, an immense... For audience that doesn't know who we're talking about, Howard Chaikin, uh, who I've, I've sat through so many panels where people go, really? You drew Star Wars? Was I was going say, is was that was his biggest the, claim to fame? He fan? drew the original adaptation of Star Wars for Marvel Comics and then quit after nine issues. Because And he did an interview with nine me. Nine great issues. Nine great issues. He, he gave an interview with me where he said, "You know, basically it's because he was too old for it. He just didn't get why people just love Star Wars. He was just too old. Um, so you can look that up on Family Planet. A really good interview with him. I I, I love talking to Howard Chakin. But one of the, the, the seminal series that really just certainly cemented me as a total hardcore fan uh, was American Flag. One of, from
1: First Comics, I yes, think originally. First Comics.
2: Um, I think it bopped around a couple of different publishers eventually, but uh,
1: yeah, it just had a couple of different series. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh,
2: was just this amazing, ahead of its time. Uh, as far as his use of text, I mean, I want to talk about like and integrating subtext, integrating media insertion. integrating and... uh, sound effects into into the panel in an incredible way. And American flag is the satire of I uh, like 2015, I think, or yeah, yeah uh, of of America American
1: cultural mores. All the way With through. Randall Flagg, who was the yeah.
2: sort of like softcore porn detective television star yeah. in Trumpography, which was 3D TV. Man, and, that's, that's and, done me with, back. and done with and done with uh, holograms. At uh, Lomography is what replaced him so that he was able to become he goes and becomes a cop. And it's just not only is it ripping into society, but it's also... It, Very funny. It, and it's funny, it's sexy. It's terribly sexy. It's uh, <laughs> terribly sexy. <laughs> you uh, guys
0: are, like, uh, recording the commercial for it right now. You're all, hey, it's funny, it's funny. funny. It, it's it,
2: terribly it, sexy. Yeah. They're, they're, they're welcome to take it, because it's a great series. It's being reprinted this summer in, hard, in hardcover collections. Omnibus edition. For the first time in, in decades. And obviously Ever. And it's lost. I mean, obviously, you know artwork lost and it's well worth it it's just and there are things in there we don't even know what price it's at and it's well Uh, worth it (laughs) (laughs) I don't care $75 probably where they're shooting at for printed edition I'm willing to say um, I'm I'm at least putting it on my Amazon wish list and hoping that my wife didn't hear about the terribly sexy part and buys it for me can (laughs) us
0: poor uh, comic readers find
2: any trades of this anywhere I think there are a couple of trades but they're old they're long out of print and they're Hmm. pretty expensive They were
1: graphic novels I mean they were oversized graphic novels for collections. It. Yeah. And wasn't I there know, just
0: recently one. a rehash in the last like year or two of like a, at least a one shot
2: or no, they, didn't I they I bring think back. So, no, Rath- someone was going to do oh, it. that. I'm
0: thinking challengers of the unknown. I I of the unknown. Like,
2: okay. But you know, and the thing is with these, with these trades, it's like, well, you know, as we a couple of weeks ago, Dave Stevens passed and I tried to put a link on the site for like some rocketeer stuff and the rocketeer trades are like out of print. And it's yeah. like the cheapest you can get used is 70 bucks. Yeah. And you know, it, It's weird to think of trade paperbacks that way. Like, shouldn't they just be in print and we could all get to see these stuff? I love Dave
1: Stevens' art from the first time. I I wasn't making a lot of money when that came out, but I bought three copies of everything he did. in my garage somewhere.
2: I'm a rocketeer nut. Yeah, Uh, So I have the Laserdisc. Well, to finish <laughs> up on that, then, Either you're a nut. <laughs> no. To finish up on our Virgin you heard section. Me. I know. Sorry, Virgin. But, but that's we like the Megas. The Megas was great, and I'm hoping to see more from them like that. Um, okay, so it goes to another studio, another comic book publisher that uh, i got to say, you know, I know one of the things, as, as any upstart comic book company has got to say, we're looking for the adaptation to movies or television. Catastrophic Comics, which I am, full disclosure, working for as editor, uh, started by William Cat, hence the cat. even though the. the Who is William Cat? It.
1: That name sounds familiar.
2: Really, we have to say that again. Yeah, all right, yeah. Uh, played on television, the greatest American hero was in the horror film
1: House. Red suit, big fluffy blonde, uh, blonde hair. hair.
2: Blonde hair. He was, uh, and this is.
0: Oh, I see that guy at conventions all the time. No, you don't. No, the the red suit and the flu and the fluffy hair. Oh. Somebody's always dressed up like him. Oh, okay. I was trying to make that joke, Derek,
2: but thanks. Okay. Thanks for blowing well, it. Uh, all right. Um, and of uh, course, for me, the geekiest thing is that uh, he was Pippin in the televised version of the Bob Fosse musical. And uh, that's me is the coolest part. That's how lame I am as a drama teacher. Uh, but So, Catastrophic Comics. Catastrophic is, Comics is listed this week in oh. in Diamond Previews with their first book, Sparks. Which is a superhero film noir kind of thing. I I've I likened it as, what if heroes had been written by Raymond Chandler? Ooh, a, and, and, I don't even know what that means. No, Ooh. I know. Um, and
1: from what I saw of it, it would have to have been um, shown on HBO late night.
2: Yeah, well, we edited a couple of those. That's why I did my uh, job as editor. terribly sexy. Uh,
1: there, well, there were a couple of nude
2: scenes, and I, I said, uh, please... Um, Change those once I saw those. So yeah, I did show you uh, the did pages. Did you uh, that, that magic marker bikinis over I them? Or did okay. um, <laughs> I? Gotta say one thing: is how nude Why it was. Is she wearing electrical tape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know how nude one of the scenes was that I didn't realize uh, who the character was supposed yeah. to be when nude. Laura and, the, Bush. and then when they drew, no, it was supposed to be a uh, Barbara Bush. It was supposed to be a policewoman, and I I didn't get that. I mean, I'd read the script, and it just said like the script said a, a, a woman, and then when they and then they'd gone off and taken care of that without without me behind my back and then they sent me that page and I went oh see now that makes a lot more sense you know <laughs> it was just kind of you know so that's my job better to go a uh, less nudity so please so it's PG-13 or uh, I say it's PG-13 okay. um, I wouldn't Honestly, it's another book, and I'm not gonna say let my kids read. It's 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 gritty. It's uh, it's basically got the story structure of the old film noir. Of, of oh, it had a fair um, amount of violence. DoA, too, I mean. yeah, and uh, DoA, not the dead or alive video game, but the movie with Edmund O'Brien it was remade into a uh, movie with Dennis Quaid. Um, and uh, but with with kind of superheroes, I we've kind of got this tagline now of. Uh, is that uh being a superhero has is is just too, has just too high a price but destiny keeps demanding payment and uh so wow yeah wow you like that one it's yeah. almost like uh I came up did path. you write that I did your I'm body's
0: writing checks that I, your yeah. heart can't or yeah, your heart's yeah. writing checks your body yeah, can't so, cash so um
2: so it was kind of a kind of a, a good with J.M. Ringett who is it's not a mainstream art style, but I really, I really like it. Uh, well, good. I'm glad I do because you know. Well, it's when can we check edited. it
0: out? When can we find it on the uh, shelves? It's gonna come
2: out in June, so it's uh, look forward it in previews this this and month. That's
1: Sparks, Sparks, like that band I like. I love Sparks, the
2: band. Like that rapper I like, Bubba Sparks. Yes, yes. Okay. Uh, but it, Diamond went nuts. I mean, there's like a, there's a two page uh, spread with an interview with Bill Cat. And uh, then there, it got a staff pick of the month, and uh, and then a little spotlight spot in there. So, hopefully, that would be enough. But if not, you know, you can you can check out preview art on Fanboy Planet as well. I sent art out to a lot of different websites, and hopefully, you know, others will pick up on it as well. I believe Comics to Film uh, is going to do a, a piece on it
1: uh, very shortly. So, well, having read the first issue, I think it was the full yeah. Issue, you read right? the first full issue. Uh, solid, solid book, no doubt about it. Yeah, well, good. Thank hopefully you. Hopefully, it'll Thank sell you. well. Yeah, I,
2: I haven't read the whole. thing And we should be talking about the, be able to talk about the second book from the Mythology Wars. We'll be, uh, hopefully within the month we'll be able to get to uh, start sending out and, and let you guys certainly read the uh, first issue and see how sweet. that goes. I like I that mean, book too. It's no Tony Loco, but sweet. Oh shush. Anyway, um, got I got that. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, I'm leaving that in. Oh okay.
2: You wound me, man. No, this one, I, I guarantee. Uh, one, uh, I believe five issues of Sparks are done.
1: Is there a Wikipedia page for Johnny Loco?
2: Not that I'm aware of. There should be. Should there be? Um, we'll see. Uh, Sparks has, I think, five issues done. And uh, so, so you know, we're there. Do we you think are, we
0: might be able to... Uh, we're committed to seeing this look one all the way through. Do we, are, can we look forward to a possible uh, in-signing of... Uh, the issue once, uh, yes, here, Elusive here at Elusive and Comics and Games.
2: At, uh, where is that? Where are we? Oh, yeah. Hey, we're podcasting from Elusive Comics and Games 2725 in Real Suite 104 in Santa Clara. We like to mix it up a little bit. You never know where that promo is going to be.
1: Drop on by on a Wednesday night. See us making fools of ourselves.
2: Absolutely. And we're dressed like, fo- well, no, I'm only I'm the only one dressed like a fool I'm tonight. fine. Yeah, and you, you can, want, uh, I'm if fine. you show up
0: early, you might be one of the first 100 uh, uh, listeners to get a lawn plushie.
2: So, yeah. Is that some sort Check of euphemism? Out. Oh, right. It's back to that letter at the yeah. beginning. Uh, yeah. Huh. So, an effort uh, from a PG-13 book to uh, an all-ages thing. Um, DC has continued their effort to give uh, comics to the little children, and they released DC's Super Friends last week. Did either of you guys pick that up? No. I, I flipped through it. Based on the current Mattel TV uh, t- toy line, which sorry. it says on the cover.
0: No, no, no. It's okay. I flipped through it, and it basically looked... Exactly. It looked like th- what twenty three pages, f-
2: a twenty three page ad for the toys. Here is what. Yeah, I got so I I, Duke, I, I gave this to my son last week. He just turned four, so first was so are they kid versions. Mm-hmm. Of them is this them well, as
0: kids? The funny thing is they're all drawn like they're toys. Yes, so they're all like very wide and, and was like very, was toy-like looking. It was very so com- it's like Lego Star Wars. Yeah, so it was very, it was
2: actually confusing to my son. And so I, you know, I don't know. This is just one four-year-old's reaction. We read through it three times. He did kind of like it, and I got I gotta say, you know, there's something nice about a message where they're constantly, you know. It's all very pro-social. You can be. A, you don't have to. Powers don't make a super because the first villain is Professor Ivo, with Amazo. One little joke that you don't that only a longtime fan will get is that Prof, Professor Ivo says, you know, the Super Friends are always in my way. I want to make a lot of money, uh, help mankind, and live forever. And it's only to the fact that Ivo does eventually become immortal, but he he builds Amazo and. Mazos kind of that squat as well looking like the like the toy thing uh, so we've read through it you know three times and at the end they say Ivo's mistake was that you know powers don't make a hero it's it would be your willingness to help people and be a friend and be you know it's like okay good stuff for little kids it's definitely so now you know so now you know exactly well you know it's nice to see the super, superheroes back that up because they used to all the time I mean remember yeah. in the 70s you'd get those ads justice for all includes children. And you'd have those house houses where Superman or Batman would come in. Reading and, uh, is fundamental. You know, exactly so you know, I was okay with that. And then there was like a little factoid page where they'd have like the origin of Superman, and then you know mazes and things for the kids to do. So it's like a comic book coloring book combo. It's on, mazes are great because the kids will do those in pen and more mint copies for me. <laughs> yeah, uh, but you know, it's all it's all an old school Girl. newsprint, and they and they make an effort to keep the price down to two okay. twenty five. You know, so, I mean, my son liked it. He's just been very confused by that as an art style. And it's kind of like, I do wish they'd just do a normal-looking book, Yeah. Because it's also juxtaposed. You're flipping through. And I'm trying to teach my son how to follow panels. Because he doesn't. He just goes, well, what's the most, the splashiest image for him is where he focuses on a page. So you've got the Super Friends on one side. And then there's an ad for New York Comic Con by Andy Kubert, or Joe Kubert, with right. Batman, Superman, and Hawk Girl. My son says like, he doesn't like Hawk Girl. He, she scares him. Um, you know, but he'll get over that. Yeah, he'll get over that. But it's like that is confusing to the kids. And then there's like, and then you go another one. And then there's the house ad for Wonder Woman with, uh, you know, I can't remember who's drawing him now, but drawing her now, because uh, she's no him the way she's drawn. You know, and then there's a Batman, and it's just like, could you just leave the mainstream DC universe out of it for just a few issues? Yeah. And let these kids <laughs> get adjusted to this weird, um, strange, blocky thing. But the funniest thing about it was I handed it to my son and he says, Is this a comic book? Just for me? Mm. And sadly, my children do talk like that. Uh and is it just for me? And I said, Yes. Yes, this is this is your comic book. And he said, I'm not a grown-up. I, I can't have a comic book of my very own. <laughs> so, uh, oh. oh, and this is why DC has to make these, and Marvel both have to make those efforts. And, well, you know, I get it, is that for my son, you know, it's like daddy's the one with all the comics. <laughs> and he says my archive editions, and we read through some of those, but he's like, he has to ask. He can't just take it off the shelf. He has to ask know, if it's okay to read it.
0: On a side note, I still think Marvel's missing a huge, huge opportunity by, Spider-Ham. by not pushing Spider-Ham. I think I agree with you. I think they could be just rolling in the kid money. I want a Goose yeah. Rider. Because, exactly. you
2: know, like earlier tonight here at Elusive Comics, I saw a girl, probably about my daughter's age, eight or nine years old. She'd seen Ghost Rider the movie. So she picked up a copy of Ghost Rider on the stand. She so the latest issue. And her parents let her buy it. And I, and the, Because what do you know? Well,
1: that wasn't the greatest American family.
2: <laughs> no, but... <laughs> That's true, because Ghost, Ghost Rider has a letters column in the back where there's regularly uh, letters from bikers with, with photos of their tattoos of Ghost Rider.
0: And he got his powers from Satan. So, uh, no, I apparently mean, that's, no, no, that's no, the that's new shift right, now. Right now. Now well, Sat- in the movie.
2: Yeah, but now Satan revealed that his big trick was he actually uh, anchored a, a, an angel. angel. It's definitely got a very vertigo feel well, now. You know what yeah. Satan's biggest trick was? Proving to the, the world, world he, he doesn't, doesn't exist. exist. <laughs> yes. Thanks, whatever. Thanks, Kaiser Soze. <sighs> I love how you guys did that in unison. That was great. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, anyway, that's the that's the four-year-old review of Super Friends. The next book out of their child, children's thing is uh, Billy Batson and the Power of Shazam So by Mike Kunkel, who did Hero Bear and the Kid. I'm not sure when that's coming out, but I'll be picking that up for my kid as well, and we'll have another four-year-old well, review. Well, hats off to DC for at least
0: Making seeing effort. that they have to... In order to keep their business thriving in twenty years or ten years, they've got to get kids interested in comics, and you know, and way and to they, and look, it's and, and way to help them read and learn, and, and you know, the what action.
2: I mean? and even though the action figures look silly, you know what? Marvel's been making a killing with those superhero squadron things from from Kenner, and I would much rather have those the DC Super Friends where they all look friendly. They're using the John Stewart Green Lantern, so I'm all for the diversity that's included there, and. You know, even I still think it's funny that the vehicle is my first Batmobile cuz you bet my son's <laughs> going to graduate to another Batmobile. In fact, we just, you know, he turned 4, we took out the Lego Batmobile. Awesome. Yeah. Well, there you go. Awesome. Keep the dream alive. With Two-Face. Then it gets awkward explaining the whole Two-Face thing. Right. Uh, but you know, that's okay. Uh, as we transition to movies, let's go with a comic book property that just came out that just got picked up by, what was it, Universal? Oh, gosh, no, I who wish just I bought did the this? research. I don't know. Okay, well, here's a, I mean, it's a comic book title that Lon has to be angry with himself that he did not first write it. Um,
0: <laughs> Talking about my reviews. Huh? Yes, I am.
2: Yeah. Uh, that uh, uh, Mark Millar and John Romita Jr. Just, actually just Miller. Miller. Mark Miller and uh, John Romita Jr., John Romita Jr., Came out from, they're the fourth icon book from Marvel. Icon being Marvel's new creator, not new anymore, but creator owned line and of almost books. It's kind of like their Marvel Knights line, right? It's kind of themed. The, the they're all themed. But none of them are in continuity. Right, right, right. So we've had The Dream oh. Police from J. Michael Straczynski.
0: The Dream Police and the- that. Why one? did I even pause? Because oh, okay. I knew it
2: was coming. I knew it was coming. I couldn't stop it. Um, oh, yeah. I couldn't. Oh, yeah. I can't. Have you seen him? He's scary.
0: No, I'm just saying, like, though. It why most of the next do two you really lines, start so. a whole <laughs> comic
2: line off a cheap trick song? Come and, on. Uh, well, because the first icon book was uh, Powers. Actually, there are five because Kabuki is uh, there from uh, isn't David Kabuki Mac? from David Mack. That's, I thought he was always doing Kabuki for the longest time, wasn't? No, no, no. But he, but he transferred he it over to, to the run. Icon because you know once you got Marvel's backing, you can actually po- afford to have a bigger print run. Mm-hmm. So I know we haven't seen many issues of Kabuki from him since, but I believe that's part of the Icon line. Uh, and then uh, Ed Brubaker's Criminal, which is a great uh, crime story thing going on. I would hope so. Yes. And then this one from John Romita Jr. and and Mark Miller, Kick Ass. Uh, which is about a kid who decides quite logically that um, it's a kid in the quote unquote real, real world, world, not the Marvel universe. Our
1: world, right?
2: Yeah, uh, which Mark Miller likes going to that well because we said he's going to do that Marvel 1985 series as well, in which the villains come from the Marvel universe into the real world. Um, so yeah, I, I read it. I thought it was it was interesting. Uh, I guess did a you like it idea. I mean, not particularly. You know, always... I would have
1: liked it a lot better if they didn't start with the big reveal.
0: Oh, you read it too?
1: Yeah. Oh, okay. So
0: we've all read it. Yeah. There's, yeah. A,
1: there's a pretty devastating thing that happens early in the book and then the, that's like a flash forward. Uh-huh. You don't remember that? Yeah,
2: I do. I, but I agree with you. I just didn't think the structure was right. No. Yeah. It didn't. It was sort of like, how are we going to you know, get past this? Did anybody else? And I, I we talked, talked to you about this off
0: mic, but... Did anybody else get the feel of uh, Miller's last or one of Miller's old books, Wanted? I really felt like it had a lot of elements of Wanted in it. If anybody it was read sort of, Wanted, well,
2: I guess what maybe we'd say is that he was taking the Wesley kind of character and making him into a willful hero. Mm. If you haven't read Wanted, which is coming out soon, uh, coming out this is coming summer, a a, trade? Coming in tra- I, I believe it's there's, there's an old trade of it.
1: I have never read it. I, I um, just looked for it this weekend. And
2: it's got a film adaptation that is very, very loosely right. based yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, on interested. it. The idea is that, because uh, it was originally a pitch for the uh, Secret Society of Supervillains and Elseworlds, right. in which and logically I mean I love the thought process behind this when he was a kid he asked his older brother uh, Mark Miller asked his older brother where the superheroes went and his brother told him it was because the villains beat them all and so uh, Wanted is about a world where the villains have quietly taken over the earth Um Everybody, all societies, uh, law and order exist to cover up the existence of the villains and let them, and they basically have a free pass. They can rape whoever they want, they can kill whoever they want, they can rob whoever they want. They just have to clear it with the seven most powerful villains. So, like the a Joker analog has Australia, uh, Lex Luthor has the uh, has the North American continent and that kind of thing. And Wesley is this loser guy who discovers that his father was basically like Deadshot. And uh and his father's been killed, and so that means he inherits his powers and has to train to be a uh, high up in this uh in this these organizations of supervillains. And uh So we do not have to go into the whole wanted thing, no.
0: but but basically yeah, the so way this is like the flip side. Well yeah, what well, kick ass is almost like there's this kind of nerdy uh kid. I don't remember the main character's name, do you? Anyways, and so he, you know, he's a big comic ass. Yeah, he's a big comic fan and then you know, and but it's in that total Miller style of, you know, everything's so over the top and violent and and uh, uh, and just I don't know, just almost kind of ugly. I don't
2: know. Did you uh, did you get an ugly feel? From it is book? ugly. I don't. Yeah. I. You know, but I will say something interesting. I do think he writes high school boys really well. Yeah. Because the scenes I, I, with the high school boys—they're kind of the outcasts. I'm like, yeah, that's very believable to me. I didn't—I almost felt like a, it
1: was stereotypical. I though. didn't have as negative a feeling as you did. I—I really? okay. didn't hate it. I didn't hate it. I'm I just, actually felt like there was some—there was a story that could develop out of this issue. I was i was going to give it another two or three issues. And
0: but here's the thing: like, I see what you're saying, and it could be—you know—for a good story. But I just feel like it had so many elements from everything else that I really felt like I'd read it before. Like, especially reading Bendis's powers where, you know, he's done a couple stories where there's been, you know, oh, people that have decided to put on the costumes and become capes and who ended up getting beat up or, you know, killed or whatever. And it's just like, I just feel like we've read so many stories of the whole normal man taking up a costume and then, you know, suffering these consequences. I just feel like it's... It's, it's not really a new avenue to explore. And I almost felt like anytime I read Miller's stuff, I almost feel like he's writing just, I almost feel like his stuff is very exploitive. Is that the word I'm looking derivative. for? Derivative. Not derivative. Exploitative. But, exploitative, maybe. You know what I mean? Where it's just, and I felt like this book was very, and that's kind of my problem I have with Civil War, was like writing all these characters with just this attitude, you know what I mean? Like, you know, mm-hmm. and changing just everything we've known. And so it's like, I always get the feeling in all his books, all he, he writes with a certain voice where all his characters have a certain attitude where they're all just mean and ugly and nasty to each other. And maybe that's his style, but I just, I don't know if I want to read that in a Well, comic. the
2: risk of getting uh, angry letters from Scotland... Um, Oh, I say send it in. It'd be great. All right. I, I believe that's something about the Scottish. I mean, they're lads. I mean, that's soccer hooligans come from Scotland. That's who Mark Miller is. Well, I don't want my Captain America to
0: be a, Scot, a, a soccer hooligan. You know what I mean? So that was kind of my no, problem. No, I, I,
2: I understand what you're saying, <laughs> but Mark Miller, though he has, he has lived in, I, I believe he lived in the United States for a while. Um, I mean, he just, it's just it, it is a very Scottish attitudes towards and. I, I suppose, in some ways, that kind of why you know superheroes kind of got reinvigorated in the '80s. This you know infusion of of the the writers from the UK, who really look at comics, you know, superheroes in particular from an outsider's perspective, because superheroes are not. We're not. I think they are now, but we're not as crazy popular in the rest of the world as they were in the United States. So it's kind of a it's it's almost a uniquely American phenomenon.
1: They don't take as much for granted. Everything has to be proven to them as far as storyline and
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Well, okay. So
0: with the Kick Ass, let's follow up on this story. So we see potential, possibly. We
2: like it. We don't. What's what's? The I think one? it could be an interesting movie. I you know, and I'm willing to give any you know any concept uh, you know. A, I like look. the
1: idea as long as they don't. As long as it doesn't turn into the analog of okay, so he put on a cape, so now all of a sudden there are going to be caped criminals, to because that's what happens when a superhero shows up. We well, didn't the dark knight. The real is real story. To be. I, well, I was, was going say, yeah, isn't yeah. That,
0: Didn't we handle that with Batman Begins? Yeah, I think that's, of, that's the that's, what, that's and the and criticism
1: that's of Batman in that world is mm. that not, we didn't have anybody like the Joker until you showed up. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. But as long as they stay away from that. As long as it's, as long as they stay true to that premise, where this is a guy, who's putting on the costume and he's trying to go out there and do good, and we'll see what happens. But I
2: don't know. I mean, that's to me that question is: if you were, <clears throat> you know, if you decide to put on why, I mean, and it's asked by the character in Kick Ass, why don't more people do
1: that? Yeah,
2: you want to be happy, you want to do good, and as you've pointed out, and we're going to be exploring this. There is a movement across the United States of people putting on costumes right now. The reels. The reels. Uh, what did you say the guy's name was here? In There's
1: uh, one in, uh, in, in Mr. Mountain? I.
2: Mr. I? I E-Y-E? E-Y-E. Yeah, and now I've been on, on MySpace friends with this guy named, you know, friends, uh, uh, with a guy named Mr. Well, Silent. Let's, let's
0: just go into it right now because
2: it's a good transition. So, why don't we explain what we're talking about? People who are. Kind of in a, I'd say in a non-violent way. They're non. Mister I,
1: I goes through his credentials as being all trained in martial arts and an ex PI. Mm-hmm. And but uh, yeah, they're all they're out there doing various things. As far as there's one guy who puts on a uniform and goes out and picks up trash, and mm-hmm. then there are some people who are just out there looking out for other people. Mm-hmm. But they're in so kind of like guardian yeah. angels. Yeah, yeah. Kind of, well, I think was in fact, Mid- when when I first heard about this, I thought it was a lead into a story about the guardian angels. Mm, okay.
2: I think it's, uh I think Minneapolis is where this guy Mister Silent started. The first one I encountered of these real world guys, and they go out and they just patrol every night. They you know like yeah. four or five hours, walk in the neighborhoods where where. Um, and they you know, do it in costume. In costume.
0: What what do we really think about this? Couldn't they just patrol and keep an eye out, like a la neighborhood watch? And accomplish the same thing.
2: Well, it's it's as I it's as I explained to uh, my daughter asking about the origin of Batman a uh, few days ago. It's like that. She said, "You know, I know why he, you know, bad guys killed his parents and he he uh, fell into a cave full of bats." I said, "Well, there's a little thing in between, but there you go." And, and the idea is that you know criminals are a superstitious and cowardly lot. I think there is something. in wish. And why the, the Guardian Angels wore a uniform. There is something about this a little more bizarre, a little, not not even laughable, just like it's so bizarre that somebody is uh, gonna. It might be scary to It, it might be it scary to somebody. It might make them think, it's like, what the hell is that coming towards me? Although I gotta say, sorry, did you watch Andy Sandberg's video a couple of weeks ago? This little operetta about being a superhero? And, and I knew that's where it was going. He's like, you know, it's this great and he's a terrible singer, but it's this rock song like all this pain in the city below and he's clearly like setting himself as a Bruce Wayne in the penthouse and I'm like, yeah, hey, he's going to be a superhero and he does this basically knockoff on Chris O'Donnell's Nightwing costume or Robin costume. I'm sorry, it looks like Nightwing. Robin costume. He has a mask and he goes and it's just, it just swells into this, Now criminals, stop. And the guy just wails, <laughs> beats the crap out of him and I went, yeah, yeah, sadly, that's exactly what would happen. But, you know, in, in, Apparently, that's not been happening to these guys. No. These superheroes have not superheroes; these mystery men have not been messed with very much. Reels? Well, have Is they? That what
0: they really, they're calling themselves they're, reels? They're the reels. Yeah. But have they ever? Have they had any true adversity? I mean, anybody remember the John Ritter movie Hero at Large? I do. Love that. I movie. love that yeah. movie. Yeah. But, so, but hey, remember wanna, that one?
1: I want to. I want to draw this to a close right here because I think we all need to do a little more research. Yeah. Maybe we'll get one of them on. Okay. And, and uh, because well yeah, we don't Mr. I is local. Let's yeah. get him in. Let's get him Let's in.
2: absolutely try to get him in. Okay. Okay. But for
0: just reference to what we we're talking about, we're going to put maybe put some links up on the site, or because mm-hmm. I didn't get a chance to see the links you had sent. Rick sent some links, so I can. I but can I had actually live. on CNN like headline news. They had a teaser for it, and I had kind of saw. I'm like, what is that?
1: And I didn't get a chance to see the whole thing. But Mr. I has a uh, MySpace page with all his credentials and photographs. And hmm. interesting. Pretty cool.
2: Well, we'll be checking that out. All right, let's get back to movies, I guess. But before we go, I just think we should say the people out there, don't take the law into
1: your own hands. Thank you. I approve of that message. Okay. Well, don't go away, because we'll be right back with part two of this episode— Episode 86, Terribly Sexy. Just as soon as you download it and um, pop it back in your iPod and put those ear pods into your ears and turn on the power pod and pod down. Yeah, well, go download it and we'll be right back. And we'll wait for you. Be right here. No, seriously, go get it. It's, it actually gets a lot better. Uh, takes a little while to warm up. And uh, uh, the download's shorter than it was for part one, too. It's a little smaller. Uh, Lon says some really good, funny stuff. And Derek does, too. Um... And I, I guess I make some jokes nobody understands. So, I mean, if you like that kind of thing, um, part two, highly recommended. Um, Available now. And it may even be the next track on your iPod because if you subscribed, it gets automatically downloaded. So all you got to do really is push next. Did I mention Lon says funny stuff? Yeah, I did. Okay. Oh, I know. Uh, There's absolutely no Anna in the rest of the episode. So, go get it. Yeah.